Monday, August the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban crowns a winning streak and Tokyo sees out the Olympics. First, the world in brief. The Taliban capped an astonishing blitz by capturing Kunduz, a strategically important city in northern Afghanistan. In just three days, the Islamist insurgents had captured four other provincial capitals in a crescent around half the country. Kunduz, a mostly Pushtun enclave in the north, has been the site of symbolic victories and defeats since American-led forces displaced the Taliban from Kabul 20 years ago. Thousands of people were forced from their homes as wildfires continued to spread across Turkey and Greece, which is suffering its worst heatwave in 30 years. Meanwhile, in California, the Dixie Fire has burned nearly half a million acres, making it the biggest of any kind in the state's history, but for a combination of blazes that merged last August. The Olympic flame was extinguished, signaling an end to the belated Tokyo 2020 Games. America topped the medals table, winning 39 golds and 113 gongs overall. During the Games, Japan's COVID-19 numbers also toppled records, though officials insist that the infection rates are unrelated to the Olympics. Parisians cheered as the Olympic flag was passed to their mayor in preparation for the next Games in 2024. Saudi Arabia reopened its borders to vaccinated pilgrims who wish to perform Umrah. Initially, 60,000 Muslims from overseas will be allowed to visit Mecca per month. Eventually, it may be 2 million per month. In July, 60,000 vaccinated Saudi residents were allowed to take part in the Hajj, the pilgrimage during the last month of the Islamic year. Philip Morris, a tobacco giant, again trumped the Carlyle Group's bid for Vectura, a British drug maker which makes inhalers. The private equity firm agreed to buy Vectura in May, but Philip Morris made a better offer, sparking a bidding war which now values the target at $1.4 billion. Philip Morris plans to make Vectura part of a broader diversification away from tobacco. Demonstrations marking the 33rd anniversary of an uprising against the previous military dictatorship broke out across Myanmar. Aung San Suu Kyi, the country's de facto leader until February's coup, first rose to prominence during the so-called 1988 uprising. That ended with the armed forces opening fire on protesters and arresting hundreds. Similar scenes have played out this year, since a military coup in February. Kim Jong-un, North Korea's dictator, sent the armed forces to help areas of the country that flooded after heavy rains, according to state media. Thousands of people have been evacuated from the worst-hit areas. The floods threatened North Korea's agricultural production at a particularly precarious time. In June, Mr Kim was unusually candid, describing the country's food situation as, quote, tense. And fact of the day. 39% of British businesses have suffered online breaches or attacks in the past year. And now, here's today's agenda. State of the Climate. The IPCC's new report. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a UN-backed body that collates scientific opinion, releases the world's most comprehensive assessment on the physical science of climate change today. Its report from 2013, which outlined the impacts of increased temperatures, heavily informed the Paris Climate Agreement two years later, with its commitment to keep global warming to, quote, well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and to, quote, pursue efforts towards 1.5 degrees Celsius. But even if countries meet their current climate pledges, which they have not yet done, models suggest that the world will become between 2 to 3 degrees Celsius hotter by 2100. 
The report will indicate how much hotter the coming decades will be, how much effort reducing greenhouse gas emissions will have, and elucidate the catastrophic consequences of inaction. The Paris Agreement requires countries to present more ambitious plans at COP26, the annual UN Climate Summit, which starts at the end of October. Expect the IPCC's findings to be closely scrutinised. The Cost of Drugs Purdue Farmers Settlement Today, a federal bankruptcy court will probably approve a restructuring plan proposed by Purdue Pharma. That in turn will resolve a blizzard of lawsuits filed against the drug company over its development and allegedly aggressive distribution of OxyContin, an addictive opioid painkiller. Under the plan, members of the Sackler family, who founded and owned Purdue, will relinquish control of the firm and pay $4.3 billion to plaintiffs, among them states, towns and individuals, to defray the cost of the opioid epidemic. Without personally declaring bankruptcy or responsibility, they will get immunity from future litigation, a highly controversial aspect of the deal. Last week, Democratic senators urged the Department of Justice to intervene, and a trustee of the department's own bankruptcy watchdog called the protections granted to the Sacklers, quote, nothing less than illegal. But the presiding judge appears eager to disperse the money. Even if approved, the settlement will leave much unsettled. Nay Borley, the North American border. For 16 months, only essential traffic has been allowed across the United States-Canada land border. Today, lovers of the Great White North have cause to celebrate. Once vaccinated, American citizens and permanent residents will again be allowed to drive to Canada. The closures have been hugely disruptive, not to mention costly. Normally, 3.5 million cross-border car trips are made each month for work, family visits and holidays. But car trips fell by 77% between 2019 and 2020, and tourism spending withered. Border towns such as Windsor, Ontario, mere minutes from Detroit, were particularly badly hit. Canadians hankering to drive to the States must wait. Though Americans are keener to host their neighbours than vice versa, three-quarters supported a reopening at the end of August compared with half of Canadians. The Biden administration will keep the border closed for now. But if desperate, Canadians can always emulate their geese and fly south. Bridled Expansion China's Economy In recent weeks, China's most promising technology firms have been struck by a regulatory cyclone including fines, investigations and restrictions. At the same time, a literal typhoon struck the Yangtze Delta, disrupting China's ability to ship goods to and from the world. According to the latest figures, exports undershot expectations in July and marked slowdown from growth of 32% in June. Figures for industrial production and retail sales out later this week are likely to reveal a milder slowdown in other parts of the economy too. And consumer price data, published today, showed inflation edging down to 1%. That gives China's policymakers room to ease monetary or fiscal policy if the economy reacts badly to their regulatory crackdown. China's leaders have taken to complaining about the quote disorderly or quote unbridled expansion of capital. But a bridal contraction will not please them either. End of the Affair Tokyo 2020 The Tokyo Olympics will be remembered as a triumph of determination, or to the cynical, sheer bloody-mindedness. Japan and the International Olympic Committee defied the pandemic and held the Games, albeit a year late, 
hugely over budget and in mostly empty stadiums. And there were Olympian moments. Teenage skateboarders made thrilling debuts, as did Ariane Titmus, an Australian swimmer who won two gold medals. Mutaz Esabashima of Qatar and Gianmarco Tamberi of Italy brought smiles to viewers by sharing gold in the men's high jump. And Abatsi Athletics track produced some astounding times. In the men's 400m hurdles final, all three medalists broke the previous world record. But no one embodied the Olympic spirit as much as Simone Biles, an American gymnast. Miss Biles withdrew from several events citing mental health issues, drawing attention to its stigmatisation in elite sport. But she returned to the floor to support her teammates and then mounted the balance beam to win bronze. Summer Quiz Week 4 Ready for another round with our baristas in a summer quiz? For week 4, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses, and include mention of your home city and country, by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Monday. Which Bruce Willis film was marketed in China with the plot-spoiling title, quote, He's a Ghost? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mahmoud Darwish, who died on this day in 2008. Love, like meaning, is out on the open road, but like poetry, it is difficult. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.